Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. All right, Mike Heck here in Jacksonville, Florida from MMAfighting.com. You know this man standing next to me, the great John Anik. He'll be calling the action this Saturday, Five Star Veterans Memorial Arena, UFC 273. It's a big one. John, it's nice to meet you face to face. Can I just let me touch your head? <laughs> and we're good. No, it's great to meet you face to face. This is a home game for me of sorts, 400 miles from Boca Raton, Florida. And uh, we're loaded, man. We just had our fighter meeting, so it's a good time for us to chop it up a little bit. Let me just say, I don't know if I can get through this interview. This suit is unbelievable. Well, thanks, man. My guy Mark Russell hooking it up. You know, I'm actually filling in for Dana White at the press conference today, so we had to get a little bit dressed up uh, for that occasion. But uh, big week here in J-Ville. I appreciate the compliment. Absolutely. So let's start with the main event because there's three three huge fights. I mean, look at this. I'm sorry about that. Get Alexander Volkanovsky taking on the Korean Zombie. This wasn't the original fight, but it's still a pretty damn good one. I'm really looking forward to it. Alexander Volkanovsky obviously is a massive favor right now. It's a very difficult su- puzzle to solve. Your thoughts on this main event and just how good Volkanovski actually is as a fighter? Well, I'll say big picture. The six athletes at the top of the card were just dripping with confidence in our fighter meetings today. So sometimes you can glean a little bit on one side or the other as to where a guy or a woman is at mentally, emotionally. They're all in a great place. But Volkanovski specifically, I'm not, I'm not sure there's a more coachable disciplined, focused champion on the roster than that guy. So certainly he understands this is an appreciable challenge. He sees the Korean zombie as sort of a legacy fight. Uh, Does he see as much danger, inherent danger in this fight as he saw in the Max Holloway fight? Probably not. Um, But he's just so prepared. Everything's calculated with Volkanovsky. You know, every answer he manages his energy efficiently even in our fighter meeting, not unlike Valentina Shevchenko. So, I don't know. The more I'm around Volkanovsky, the more starstruck I get, if that makes any sense. And he just has this championship aura that I'm not sure he had a couple years ago. What stood out to me at the media day was how calm the Korean zombie was. Yeah. Because he's talked about kind of struggles with with confidence and things like that, especially when the pressure is on and the lights are bright. Much different than the Jose Aldo fight that we're seeing right now in preparation of this fight. Did you notice that as well? Like, do you notice a, a more calm, calculated demeanor to Zombie? There's no doubt. And even though the Dan Ige performance for him was great, it wasn't an optimal training camp. This one, by all indications, was an optimal training camp, even though he hasn't seen his kids in a couple months. So, yeah, man, I think you got a good read on the Korean Zombie. I think he really likes this matchup. I also think that uh, with all of his wealth of five-round experience, you know, when we talked to him before the Dan Ige fight, he was kind of pining for a three-round fight on pay-per-view because he's been charged with headlining so much for the UFC. Um, But I think that's sort of a feather in his cap. And, uh, you know, I do think if he can give... Volkanovski, a couple things to think about early on, land a couple shots, um, it could change the complexion of the fight. I just think for Volkanovski, he's so prepared for the things that the Korean Zombie does really well, but we'll see if he can find an opening. How close is Volkanovski to being at that Kamar Usman level in terms of pound for pound? 
personally, in the MMA Fighting Global rankings, I have him ranked number four pound for pound, and sometimes I actually feel bad about that because yeah. I think he actually, you could slot him into two or three and soon one. Like, how close do you think he is to being the top guy? I think he's right there. You know, he hasn't had a finish since 2018, so I think a finish on this particular night would be useful for Alexander Volkanovsky. But yeah, I agree with you. He's one of the best pound for pound fighters in the sport, and obviously we can't always quantify that when guys don't move up and down divisions. He's right there. We talked to him a lot today about lightweight and Charles Oliveira and Justin Gaethje and his appetite to move up and he's just not there yet you know I think maybe as he gets older I think he's 33 years old if if the weight cut becomes you know a labor maybe he would move up but uh, I think he's contented right now to try to establish himself as the consensus greatest featherweight of all time and uh, he's closing that gap that's going to close the show Bantamweight title. We're going to unify that bad boy in the co-main event. We got Aljamain Sterling defending against Piotr Jan. I got to tell you, John, heading into this fight, I was intrigued. I was excited about it. But after seeing how these two guys are approaching this fight, the way they were at at the media day, I'm sure you saw this during the fighter interviews, just I have so many questions now. I'm more fascinated in that fight in terms of where I started to where I am now in that fight more than any yeah. other right now. They've done a great job promoting and selling this fight to me. What did you see from both of these fighters in the meetings today? Well, Piotr Jan is just unflappable, right? Like, he is far less flappable at 27 years old than I am sitting here at 43. He just has this maturity and wisdom that belies his years on this planet. And I don't know exactly how that was instilled in him or if that's just the way he is, but... He's not going to take crazy risks to try to get Aljo out of there. He's got that tight guard and sort of gets his reads, compiles his data, and then usually dominates the rest of the fight. So I do think Aljamain Sterling is going to have to be more perfect to win this fight than Piotr Jan is going to have to be. But Aljo was so up against it going into that first fight. You know, Aljo qualifies a lot of what he says to us by saying this is not an excuse. But, you know, he really didn't handle the rehydration process very well for the last fight. He had had COVID-19 in December and in January. Hard to say whether or not there was any lingering effect there. Um, but Aljo today, if you take him at his word, um, he's a picture of health, and he believes he's a totally different fighter in a lot of respects than he was a year ago. So I'm excited to see what he can do with the opportunity, as I am for all of these underdogs like Gilbert Burns, but I do believe Piotr Jan is on a trajectory right now to maybe go down as the greatest bantamweight of all time, and I think Aljo's going to have to fight a near-perfect fight. Do you think there's a lot of pressure on Aljamain to win this fight just because of how the first one ended, the, the, the follow from all that? I know he's, he's sick of, this, of, of having these conversations and talking about Piotr Jan. He wants to put this man behind him for at, at least the foreseeable future. But I don't, know if, like, I don't feel like he was carrying a chip on his shoulder, but there's got to be something he's got to prove not only to the fans but to himself too. Yeah, I think that's a good question. I think there's more pressure on the 5-1 to one favorite Piotr Jan, though, given the way that first fight went. But yeah, there's always pressure. There's pressure on Aljamain Sterling, and certainly there is a segment of the fan base that uh, that isn't going to be in his corner just by nature of the way that fight played out. Even for us as we're calling it, it's like, man, this undisputed championship is going to hinge on, on an illegal knee and the resulting DQ. And it's not at all an ideal circumstance. I mean, even when Aljo was getting belted, you look at Ray Longo. I mean, they they didn't like to have that as their reality. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Aljamain Sterling, can you imagine if he walks back into his life, like having finished Piotr Jan? Uh, it would be absolutely incredible. But I do think there's more pressure always on the 5-1 to favorite, more pressure on Hamzat than Gilbert, and more pressure on Volk than the Korean Zombie. Well, let's talk about this because this seems to be the people's main event. Yeah. Shamaya versus Burns, the big test, the litmus test, is this guy for real? I feel like Gilbert Burns is just not getting any love here. I feel like it's the Hamzat show. I think Gilbert kind of likes it that way, but he is flying under the radar in a big way. What did you see from him today? Because he's exuding confidence, he's excited, but I think he 
kind of likes this flying under the radar thing. So I know Gilbert Burns very well. We both live in West Boca Raton, a few miles away. You know, I train with his strength and conditioning guys at the Institute of Human Performance, and uh, they just know they got the dog in this fight, man. You know, Hamzat Chimaev's a dog, too. All credit where credit is due. But if you're asking me, if I had to send a welterweight in there, to beat Hamzat Chimaev, and I couldn't have Kamaru Usman, I'm probably sending the dog that is Gilbert Dorino Burns in there. So he has the confidence. He has the skill set. I think he's curious to feel the ground game. He's hopeful that it's going to become a grappling competition early. He wants to feel that Chimaev strength on the ground. I just see a size discrepancy, and I think that's the biggest hurdle for Gilbert Burns. But if they can plant a seed of doubt early, whether that means getting up when taken down or landing a seminal blow early, um, you're going to take Hamza Chimaev to an ocean that he hasn't swam in before. And therein lies the rub for me. But do I think that Hamza deserves the distinction as a near 6-1 to one favorite? Kind of do. What's interesting about Hamza, and you've been covering and, and been, being a part of the UFC and the broadcast team for a long time, we've seen stars emerge very quickly. Connor, Israel Adesanya, just to name a couple. I feel like Hamza Chimaev is on a different level than those guys. And the reason I say that is because there's no doubt in a lot of people's minds. There's no, well, he's got to do this, he's got to do this. Like people, and you're seeing the betting line right now. It yeah. just keeps continues to, to go in his favor. I feel like people just believe. There's no, he's got to beat this guy, he's right. got to beat a wrestler. They just feel like Hamzat is the dude. Do you see that as well? Have you ever really seen anything quite like this, like this rise? No. He's the most incredible prospect that I've ever seen in the UFC. And let's also not forget, prior to coming to the UFC, he beat two undefeated fighters back-to-back -to, -back to earn his UFC contract. So... Sometimes a lot is made of his strength of schedule compared to Gilbert Burns's. Gilbert Burns making his 18th UFC appearance, but Kamzat Chimaev is more battle-tested than you would believe. And, you know, I kind of like to spin the conversation around. It's like, what do you fight fans feel about Gerald Mershar? What do you feel about the leech Li Jing Liang? Because Li Jing Liang went into the fight with every belief that he was going to beat Kamzat Chimaev, and he got, you know, chewed up and spit out in a couple minutes, you know? So I'm curious to see what Gilbert can do with this chance. Um, but Hamzat is just incredible. And uh, one thing that's interesting to me is that Chimaev has talked to us at length about wanting a war and wanting to be in one of those Hall of Fame type fights that fans are talking about for years to come. I'm not sure if this fight will be that. Um, but if he is able to engage in that realm and gets a little bit too comfortable in a kickboxing match, you know, maybe Burns can take advantage. If Hamzat wins this fight, he's fighting for the title in his next fight, right? I think the real issue with Hamzat is the, the calendar, right? We don't know what's going to happen with Kamar Usman and Leon Edwards. Kamar Usman's hand still isn't right, so that fight obviously hasn't been announced. And Hamzat hasn't competed since last October, you know, so how many six- or seven-month layoffs is this 27-year-old man willing to have at this stage of his career? So I kind of feel like Chimaev, even if he wins, you know, might end up in a main event against a welterweight that I can't name off the top of my head right now just because he ain't going to want to wait until, you know, potentially midway through 2023 to fight again. You just don't know how the calendar's going to align. And if Kamaru and Leon don't fight till December, I can assure you Kamzat's going to get another one in. Yeah, and they might even do an interim situation at that point just to just to have a title defended, especially in July if we can't get Kamara back. But that is then. This We're talking about this Saturday. What's the other fight that is flying under the radar for you? I mean, you don't want to disrespect the, the other fighters in the car, but is, is there a fight that you feel like not is not getting enough love but stands out to you as a, as a fan? Well, I mean, my guy Vince Pichel from The Ultimate Fighter Live, I got to shout out that monster and, of course, Marco Madsen, who is still undefeated. Um, but it's Tisha Torres and Mackenzie Dern. It's a fascinating stylistic matchup. I kind of wish it was a five-round main event because I think there's going to be a lot of ebb and flow in that fight. A um, lot of learning lessons, obviously, for Mackenzie Dern in the last fight against Marina Rodriguez. And this is 
is unequivocally the best version of Tisha Torres that we've ever seen. Crazy to think that she's now on a championship trajectory given that that four fight losing streak wasn't all that long ago. So probably a cop out answer because it's a pay-per-view fight, but it's a pick em on the number as far as the odds are concerned. And uh, I just spent a few minutes with Jason Perillo. I can't wait to see Tisha and uh, Mackenzie on Saturday. John, you are the man. It's finally, finally good to do this in person, By my the man. way, some breaking news for you real uh -oh. quick. Tisha Torres finally, for the first time in her UFC career, will be fighting out of Colorado Springs, Colorado, by way of Fall River, Massachusetts. I said, Let's can we go. get this done, Tisha? It's happening on Saturday night. Shout out to Massachusetts. That is John Anik. I am Mike Heck. Stay with us at MMAfighting.com for all things UFC 273. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.